May we turn, please, to the Gospel according to John, the 12th chapter. And in the 42nd verse, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praises of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. We are confronted here with a condition that faced our Savior on every hand and one which continues to express itself in the Christian church and in relationship to the Christian movement. There are always those who say, yes, we, we believe, but please don't expect us to get connected too closely with this thing. There are always those who say, yes, uh, we're, uh, we're in sympathy and we do believe the words that our Savior says, but I must be careful if I'm not, uh, I'm going to lose out. And you have here uh, a whole element that our Savior recognized, which uh, wanted to listen to his word, but they wouldn't take him. They wanted to praise what he said, but they wouldn't just go with him and follow him. And uh, the reason that they felt this way was that the established uh, order of their community was in the hands of the Pharisees, and they had charge of the synagogue. And if they weren't too careful, these Pharisees would uh, throw them out of the synagogue, and then they'd be disgraced by the community. And uh, consequently, it would go very difficult with them. It might be hard for them locally. And so we read here, there were among the chief rulers some who did believe, but because of the Pharisees, they wouldn't confess it. They wouldn't be baptized. They wouldn't identify themselves with them. They wouldn't go over and meet with the believers as they separated themselves from the synagogues and sought to establish the Christian movement. And then our Savior proceeds to say that you can't have God unless you have him. And the immediate verses that follow are in direct relationship to those who said, yes, we'll take his word, we'll, we, we think he said some very fine things, and we do believe in that, but we're not ready to stand up and be counted with him. Uh, because if we do, the men who run affairs here in the town and in the country and in the community, they're going to do something to us and we'll fall out of their favor. And so they love the praises of men more than they love the praises of God. And you people have heard me in recent weeks as we've been preaching the gospel to you tell you that if we're going to be Christians, let's be Christians. Let's be everything that a Christian ought to be. And let's not be ashamed of it. Let's just let everybody know that 
We belong to the Lord and we're a part of the testimony in the latter days that's standing for his name and for his word and let it be that way. But it's always been that that those who look to Christ and they look to the world, they they look to the things that the Lord has in the book and then they turn around and look at their circumstances and as they juggle the two and as they play with the two, they always fall out on the side of the world and not on the side of Christ. And our Savior here takes recognition of this. Even among chief rulers... Beloved, the Bible is just as plain as anything can be. If we're going to come to Jesus Christ, he expects us to bring everything with us. Our name, our reputation, our standing, our position, everything that we have, we are bringing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this particular issue is about in this setting in which our Lord is speaking. If you'll turn back just a little further in this 12th chapter, and if you'll notice in verse 25, our Savior says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And then we hear our Savior saying, He who will confess me before men, him will I also confess before my father which is in heaven. And when you turn to the great salvation text, the book of Romans, we read, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And if you truly believe in your heart, and you're truly a child of God, then it will come out of your mouth. It'll be manifest in the identification which you make of yourself to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his people in the day in which you live. And what the Lord is pleading for here is a recognition that if you belong to him, then the glory of God takes precedent over the praises of man. And if you're not altogether with him, you are tempted to let the praises of men take precedent over the praises of God. And so our Savior says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And the denying of self sets you apart from all the rest of the people who are thinking of themselves and seeking the plaudits of man. And taking up your cross automatically comes to you because of your identification with Jesus Christ. If they've hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The servant is not above his master. And what they've done to the Lord, they're going to do to the servants of the Lord. And it's our identity, it's our union with Jesus Christ down here 
that brings upon us his reproaches and brings us into our difficult situations and men are tempted to say, well, I'll keep quiet, I'll keep silent. There's no time for me to get involved in any of these things. And everywhere you go right now, it makes no difference where it is. The world seems to be full of all kinds of Christians who say, yes, that's right, but please don't ask me to get involved. That's right, I believe that. But please, please, I've got all these things and the Pharisees might put me out of the synagogue or something else. And so these considerations are of such weight that we permit them to take us away from the great service of Jesus Christ which he expects us to render to him as his witness and as his servant. Now this week, uh, the papers have been full of Ian Paisley's imprisonment over in Ireland. Uh, last night, the Philadelphia Bulletin had a two-column story that really did smear Paisley up good. Some of you may have seen it. But it quotes some unidentified people, and they accuse him of all sorts of things. He's a sort of a, uh, a quasi-fascist uh, uh, Parading under under the robes of a cleric, and it was a terrific smear upon him. They never quoted him at all. Never had a single quotation from him. But Ian Paisley over there is a Christian brother. He stood in this pulpit here. You've seen him. He spoke to us. He's a very able man. He's got a, a silver tongue because he can surely speak. But he withdrew from the Presbyterian Church of of Ireland. He withdrew because of the apostasy and because of the ecumenical movement. He withdrew and started these little churches and he went out and started free Presbyterian churches. That's what he started. And he has quite a group of them with him now. But he carried on his battle. He carried on his testimony. And the whole thing reached out and when the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury went over to the Vatican, Paisley was the one man in the country that cried out against the betrayal of Protestantism into the hands of the Roman Catholic drive for this great world church, and Paisley cried out against it. And Paisley didn't hesitate to speak against these things. And consequently, Paisley began to get tremendous interest and attention in Northern Ireland. And they haven't been able to get anything against him. But now he went over to protest to a Presbyterian General Assembly. They're going to have a demonstration out there. And as they moved back, some others joined them. And, and uh, they had some sort of trouble. Some rocks were thrown and a few other things. And so they arrested him for unlawful assemblage. And on the basis of this accusation of unlawful assemblage, they've convicted him. And uh, they said he either had to pay $84 fine or spend three months in jail. Well, with the principal involved like it was, he says, I'll go to jail. And so he's over there in the prison today. And I got a telegram from him the day before yesterday in which he said he's getting very long, very long in jail, very well in jail, and he was praising the Lord. Now, many people criticize Paisley this and they criticize Paisley that way. It makes no difference who the man is that's standing up today. There's always something wrong with him. And he shouldn't have done this or he shouldn't have done that. But Paisley is suffering today in Northern Ireland because he has identified himself with Jesus Christ and he's standing up for the things that Protestant England has always stood for historically. That's all's wrong with him. But so many people say, well, I just want to be careful. 
Last Sunday in this church, I stood in this pulpit and I told you people that Paisley was in our International Council of Christian Churches. His church is in fellowship with ours. They're free Presbyterians. We're Bible Presbyterians. And there's 111 of these denominations in our International Council. And his delegation was over at Geneva a year ago, and we all had a marvelous time together. And I stood here and I told you people that this man Paisley was all right. He was standing for Protestantism. And when the meeting was over, I went out to the door. The lady came to me and she says, Dr. McIntyre, she says, I was hoping you'd say something today. She says, I'm from the north of Ireland. And I belong to the ladies group of the Orange Men, but I just didn't know what to think. And she says, I'm so glad you told me what you think. Now, wasn't that pathetic? Wasn't that pathetic? You people ought to be able to make up your own minds on these things without finding out what I think about it. You people ought to be able to make up your own minds about these issues as they're unfolding in the world. You're serving Jesus Christ. And when Paisley gets into difficulty and they put him in jail over there and he's there for three months, we need to help the fellow. We need to pray for him. We need to do what we can to raise the issue so the rest of the country will understand what's going on. And one of the interesting things about these releases that they're putting out over there, they're not telling anybody that Paisley's group is affiliated with the International Council of Christian Churches. I wish they'd put that in the story. They ought to at least put it in the story. And then that'll tie them up with us and the rest of the people around the world and they'll have more people on their hands to deal with. But the news stories leave out these relationships that he sustains to us and to our movement, to the great uh, Bible-believing uh, separatist movement that's developing throughout this world. And we come right back to this text here this morning. There are an awful lot of people around the world today. I'm for the Lord. I believe in him. But don't get too close in here where these issues are causing some sparks to fly. It might have something to do with you. It might affect you in relationship to your church. And you want the praises of men. You want to be identified with some kind of a Christianity today that the world is praising. I don't want to be identified with a Christianity that the world praises. I want to be identified with a Christianity that speaks to the world, that rebukes the world. I want to be identified with a Christianity that has a message to save the world, that men might come into the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Beloved, when our Savior speaks in these terms, he says so beautifully here, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And let's follow him all the way. Let's go with him to the very end of the road. He went to his cross, and if necessary, we'll go to our cross in his service and for his glory here upon this earth. If any man follow me, he says, he'll serve me. Now, beloved, with that identification of this text, let's notice now what our Lord has to say about himself. And will you turn now to that next verse? Jesus cried and said... He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. You say you believe on me, 
but you're afraid of the members of the Sanhedrin and of the Pharisees and you love the praises of men, Jesus says you better stop a minute. When you believe on me, you come into fellowship with God. When you believe on me, you get more than just what you see here. You get in contact and in direct communion with the Almighty God. And this God that Jesus brings us into fellowship with, and this true God which we come to know, is the God who is all-powerful and has all wisdom and he has all knowledge. And the children of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are his children by faith, must recognize that the moment they associate themselves and identify themselves openly and confess the Lord Jesus Christ, then they are in tune and in fellowship with God himself. Isn't it interesting? These people say, well, I believe his word. My, my, it's nice to listen to this man, Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm not going to listen to you on that basis. You've got to take me, and when you take me, you take the Father also. My word can't be separated from me, and I can't be separated from the Father. And you start with the word, and you come to Christ, and you come to Christ, and you come to the Father. And what was going on here was that they were saying, we like his word, yes, we believe on him, but we're just not going to confess him. We're not going to join him. We're not going to unite with his testimony, and we're not going to permit ourselves to be baptized and to have his seal put upon us. Now you can see the connection in this particular passage. Now let's take the next verse and watch it unfold. And then our Savior proceeds in this next verse. And he says, He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ now begins to confess his own deity. And he identifies himself with the Father. And he says, If you see me, you will also see the Father. Now turn to verse uh, 9 and 10 of chapter 14. You have this same emphasis again. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. You are confronted with deity. And the Son has said, here's the word. It leads you to me. Here I am. I lead you to the Father. And when I get you to the Father, I turn around and tell you that the Father's in me and I'm in him and I'm equal with the Father and I'm God. And Jesus Christ, in the presence of those who said they believed in him but they wouldn't confess him, moves on to say, if you're going to believe my word, then take me. And if you take me, you'll have the Father. 
And if you take the Father, the Father will reveal to you that I am His Son and I am deity. And the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, is offering Himself. If you don't have the Son, you can't have the Father. There's no other way you can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. But once you come unto the Father through Jesus Christ, then you have this glorious revelation that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father and the words that the Son speaks are the words that the Father gave him. Beloved, if you can't give everything you have to Almighty God, if you can't identify yourself... With the Son of God. If you can't stand on this earth. And regardless of the Pharisees. Regardless of the synagogue. Regardless of the powers of this earth. If you can't turn and identify yourself with Jesus Christ. And say Lord here I am. Everything. Everything I am. Everything I possess. Is yours. And I'm going to be identified with you. In this earth. That's what he's asking for. Now let's go on another step in this passage. This is beautiful, it's deep, it's glorious. And it's the word of God as you, un- as you un- unfold it. In this 12th chapter, he comes on down and he says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. He says, I'm here. I'm the only one that has any light. I'm the only one that's brought the light. I'm the only one that can give you any light. And in verse 35, Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Jesus Christ said, Now let's get down to the realities of what's happened down here where you are. And it's dark. Nobody has the answer to the grave. Nobody has the answer to eternity. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. When you get down to the realities of life, it's pretty dark. And nobody knows what an hour may even bring forth. Nobody knows. But Jesus Christ says, I have come a light into this world. And you'll listen to my word. You'll listen to me. You'll listen to the Father. You find out that I am God incarnate and I've come here. And then remember, the whole purpose of my being here is that I might spread lightness and give light on every hand that men in this dark world might see. You know, the paper last night said one of the things about Mr. Paisley. They call it Paisleyism over there in Ireland now. And one of the things, they didn't quote anything that Paisley said, but they said that Paisley maintained that he had the only solution to the problems of the day. Well, I agree with him. I've got the only solution there is. Here is light. And it's the only light that man has ever had brought to him. And it's the light that's come from God. I am come a light into this world. And beloved, the one thing that this world needs today is the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, when I go down to Cape May, all these people are there. They're coming from everywhere. And I just feel like they're hungry sheep. I don't tell them I said that. But 
but you, you have that feeling. And, and you, Bundy speaks and I speak and they're just hungry. They come in there and they sit down, they get their Bibles and then the meetings are over. They talk and talk and ask questions and they go to the literature tables and they just load it up by the basketfuls. You see them carrying it out in bags. You never saw so many hungry sheep in your life. And consequently, when you go down there, you just long to give them something. You just love to give them something. I can understand what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I long to be with you so I can impart to you some spiritual gift. You just long to be where you can impart some spiritual blessing. Well, we don't have meetings on Saturday mornings down there. It's not customary because that's the changeover in the conference. And you do have quite a changeover when everybody moves out and they have to change the beds and the rooms and then everybody moves in and you've got quite a problem on your hands. But here recently, I've been telling the people on Friday, if they wanted to have a message in the morning, I'd give them one. So yesterday morning at 10 o'clock, I said I'd give them a And I went in there, and here they all were, my hungry sheep. Here they came. They were all sitting out there. We had a marvelous crowd. It wasn't scheduled. It wasn't planned. I just said we was going to do it. And you know what I did yesterday morning? I thought, well, now these people, I don't know who they are. I know one thing, they're coming from all over the country and many of them don't hear very much of the gospel. I'm just going to take a simple passage. And I took the 11th chapter of John on the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And I just took it and opened it up. And I want to tell you, folks, did you ever see a mother bird go around with a worm in her bill and drop it in the open mouth of her babies? Well, I was going around dropping worms in the in the mouths of all those people yesterday morning. I never saw such a hungry people. And beloved, our churches all over this country are dead. The preachers get up and talk about some social problem or uh, some Negro issue or something else and they talk about the United Nations and all these other things. And they don't give the people the precious truths of the Bible and people are just famishing. They're famishing. But when I got into their story yesterday of uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead, and he'd been in the dead four days, I saw things in that passage yesterday morning that I'd never seen in it before. I discovered they buried him the same day he died. They just took him out and buried him immediately, and he'd been in there four days. And you open this question up, and then I got to thinking about what a terrible thing it was for poor Lazarus. Lazarus was the one that was having trouble. If I were dead, I wouldn't want to be brought back to this place. Lazarus got brought back to this place after he'd already had a taste of the other place on the other side. And, and the Lord, I'm telling you, uh, I'd much rather stay dead if I'd been in Lazarus' place and never brought back to this place. And beloved, that thing begins to open up and you see things in there and it's all at Christ. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And you don't have to wait to the resurrection day to find this power. Here I am. I have it. You believe in me. Though you're dead... You'll always be alive. And though you live here and you believe in me, you will never die. And here Jesus Christ now comes. I'm the light. It's in a dark place. And you should take the light from me. Forget about the Pharisees. Take the light from me. Forget about being thrown out of the synagogue. Suppose you do get thrown out of the synagogue. That won't hurt you. Jesus is exalting himself as the one who possesses life. Life. And all that life is ours in Jesus Christ. Now look at the next text. Watch this. Watch this develop through here. Our Savior said, If any man hear my words and believe not, 
They'll listen to his words, but they won't believe him. I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. My mission here now, he says, the main thrust of it, the purpose of my coming now, is to save the world. He's going to die and make the atonement and bring about the reconciliation. Now look at verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Oh, he says, I'm speaking to you. And if you reject me in my mission to redeem you and to save you, if you reject me as the one who's dealt with your sins and offers you the new birth, if you reject me as the one who's come to give you everlasting life, in the last day, the very words that I spoke to you will arise to condemn you, and you'll be without excuse. Oh, beloved, it's a frightful thing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn it down. It's a fearful thing to sit under the ministry of the word of God and then not obey it. It's a dangerous thing, beloved. And the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us here that when he gives us his word, we're to go where that word takes us. My eyes shall never forget, and I think of these things once in a while. I've been here thinking a lot about Princeton Seminary lately because of the leadership that Princeton Seminary now has in all these things, especially in the New Confession. Their professor was the main hand in drafting the New Confession. They had one of their leading men over there in Geneva leading this whole revolutionary program. And I'm utterly amazed at the complete change that's taken place in Princeton Seminary. And when the change came back in 1929, and I was a student there, they all passed these resolutions. Never changed. Nothing's going to happen. It's always going to be the same. Well, now you can see the awful change that's taking place in that great institution. And I remember so well when I was there as a student. All students remember their student days perhaps more vividly than others. And I made the decision that I was going to leave that institution. My father had graduated from Princeton. We had long connections, but I made the decision. I was there in the senior class, and when that was reorganized, I would go with Dr. Machen and Robert Dick Wilson and help them start their new seminary. And ever since that time, I've been helping start a lot of things. But I remember so well at that time, we had big arguments among the boys. And do you know the man who's now the moderator of the General Assembly of the United Presbyterian Church? He was up there at the same time I was in those days. He's the moderator of the General Assembly. The man he was chairman, uh, Mr. Skinner, chairman of the committee that drafted this thing. He was there when I was there. We knew each other very well. And when uh, we met in Boston up here and I was out there in the demonstration, he was chairman of the committee. He stood there as I passed by. He says, he called me Carl. I called him by his first name. These men have gone this way with ecumenism and with all this thing. Somehow or other I've gone this way. Somehow or other I've gone this way. And I remember the discussions we used to have. And you know what these men used to say? These boys used to say, say Carl, you've got to stay with the church. He says, you've got to stay. This means you're going to break with the church. 
Well, that was way back in 1929, ladies and gentlemen, long before the break came in 36. You're going to break, you're going to break. Don't, don't break with the church. Don't, don't. Here's where all the power is. Here's where all the advantages are. Here's where all the promotions are. Here's where all the big churches are. My, how we used to argue. And I used to say to those brethren, and I say it today, I don't know where this book is going to take me on this earth. But I know where it's going to take me in eternity. Once you identify yourself with this Christ, the synagogue's going to get after you. The Sanhedrin's going to get after you. The Pharisees aren't going to like it. Once you identify yourself with this Christ, this living Christ, only Christ knows where you're going to end up on this earth. But oh, all heaven knows where you're going to end up for all eternity. And that's what our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is saying here now. If you won't listen to me when I've come as your Savior to redeem you and lift you up out of death, this very word that I've spoken unto you, in the last day it will arise and it will condemn you. And you will fall under the judgment of the word of God for your sin and your disobedience. All right, look one step further. I want you to see this one. How this unfolds, how this passage does unfold. And Jesus Christ says, verse 49, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. Whatsoever... Therefore I speak, even as the Father saith unto me, so I speak. So beloved, the very word over here, which you start out with, you will end up with. The very word which you begin with, originated in heaven when the Father gave it to the Son. And you may say, well, yes, I like the word, but I don't want to identify myself with him. Beloved, you take the Word, you take the Son, you take the Father, you take the Deity, you take the Light, and when you get round to the whole story, you come again to exalt and honor the precious Word of God, which He has revealed unto us in order that we might serve Him, in order that we might delight to do His will. I told you about these dear people down at Cape May. They come in there like hungry sheep. They really do. And they come from all over the country. They're just hungry sheep. And your heart just goes out to them. And then I think of you people up here in college. But you people up here ought to be ashamed of yourself. In so many regards. You people have been blessed of God. You have been favored of God in this country. In these days of apostasy. In these days of darkness. In these days when men are being blinded. In these days when whole congregations are being misled and misdeceived. You can come and sit in a nice air-conditioned church and you've got a preacher who spends his time talking about the Bible and giving you some of these blessed texts. And then that strengthens you to go out and take your stand and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the greatest possible responsibility resting upon this congregation in Collingswood. And you people should realize it and should know it. You can come here on Sunday. And you'll get a message from Daniel. And you'll get a message from David. And you'll get a message from John. And you'll get a message from 
Colossians. And as the message is set before you, you'll also get some applications of it which are relevant to maintaining the message and to maintaining the church. Now, I'm concerned about these things. You realize what they're trying to do to us here with all this publicity and all this stuff? I don't own radio station WXUR. Bless your heart, I wish I did. I'd be very happy to own a radio station. Somebody wants to give me one, I'll take it. That's the truth. I'd be very happy to own a radio station. And stand right up to it and everything there is. But listen, beloved, there's a campaign going on led by this liberal element. It goes way back. They tried to silence us. They tried to discredit us. They tried to do all these things. And the Word of God is not bound. The Word of God is quick and it's powerful. And it's the Word of God that's brought us to where we are today. But the effort is being made more and more. And why is the attack upon me? Why is the attack upon us? So you people won't get too close to me. So people across the country will say, well, McIntyre's all right, but don't get too close to him. Don't get identified with the movement that he is a part of. Just don't do it. And that's a part of the overall difficulty and struggle that the Christians are identified with today. And I'm not ashamed to be identified with Ivan Paisley while he's in prison in North Ireland. I'm not ashamed to be identified with these poor Indians out there in South India that have been dispossessed of all their properties. I'm trying to get an interview with the Archbishop of Canterbury so we can try to have some sort of negotiations about them. But they don't negotiate when they possess everything. And it's in this area, beloved. If you're going to be a Christian, let's go all the way. And let's bear any of the reproaches that are necessary in order to stand up for this blessed book and to feed the sheep. And these hungry souls that want some precious manna. And oh, how they love to hear about the power of the Lord to raise the dead. And the power of our Savior to give us a new life. And to give us the grace which only He can dispense. By His Word and by His power. That our souls might be kept and nurtured. And that we might serve Him to the end of the way. I am come a light into this world. If you see me, you've seen the Father. You can't separate my word from me, and you can't separate me from God. And God and I are one. And then you come back, and God gave the commandment, and we have the word, and the commandment is everlasting life. He who will confess me before men, I'll confess in heaven. But he will deny me before men, I will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Thank God we have a church that's a Bible Presbyterian church that has a confession of faith and we're identified with this confession in this present day. Let us pray. Our Father, we do thank Thee this morning for this great text. And we thank Thee that our Savior dealt with the question so beautifully and so pointedly. And, O oh Lord, may we not be like these men who who did believe but refused to be identified with him because we love the praises of man, the good words of man, rather than the praise of God. Oh, bless us today. We thank thee for the blessing of this hour. For Christ's sake, amen.